Good morning, Dichotomy Diaries. You didn't think I would leave you hanging, did you? Absolutely not. Not with an episode like we had last week. Currently, I am in Phoenix, Arizona for work. I am sitting Indian style on this wonderfully comfortable king-size bed that I have all to myself, watching the Australian Open. Tennis viewing is one of my favorite pastimes, and I still love it, even if I'm by myself. It's a lot of fun, and I stay up probably way too late, but this way you guys get me too. So, this trip is a work trip. I decided to come in early so that I can spend a little bit more time outside of the negative 19 degree weather that we find ourselves in in Chicago. Um, And as I am flying through the air, I realize (laughs) that it's Arizona Car Week, which I have mentioned in one of the episodes is like my favorite week out of the year. And I felt like I was like, God, damn, Amanda, like, how could you not know this? But maybe somewhere subconsciously I did, and that's why I decided to push my trip out on the front end so that I could be here. So with Arizona Car Week, right, we have the kickoff, the Concorde d'Elegance, which is something I planned one year, was so, so fun and just very elite. I guess is the right word for it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a really good kickoff to the week. So we have Arizona Concord and then Barrett Jackson is like huge. So Barrett Jackson starts off on the weekend and then it goes all week and then it finishes up on the weekend. So I'm like, okay, there's gotta be a way that I can get to Barrett Jackson. I haven't missed one in like 10 years and I'm not about to do it like this year. Like no freaking way so there were a few people that I was planning on going with and it just I didn't hear from them that day or it just didn't work out so I had a co-worker who was like I'll go with you and at the last minute she kind of had to pull out too so today I found myself wandering around Barrett Jackson for the first time ever alone and um that was a really weird experience you guys um you know i i love cars and automobilia and everything that goes along with that so much i have such fond memories of anything that has to do with all of it um for the past 10 plus years and it was kind of difficult honestly to enjoy something that I hold so dear to my heart alone. I found myself kind of like not knowing what to do with my hands. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. Um, you know, I would see a car that reminded me of a, a moment or see a car that I had seen in Italy when I went to Modena um, and just want to talk about that with someone. And I didn't have anybody to talk about that with. So I found myself 
grabbing for my phone and, you know, texting Italian Batman or taking a picture or something that was just making me not be present in the moment. So I was like at this war in my head, like, oh my gosh, put your phone away. But then I'm like, no, I want to share this with someone. I was going back and forth. So I ended up basically like seeing everything I needed to see, got some t-shirts, went to a few of the art gallery booths and talked with some of the artists, which was really fun. Um, And I left. I was only there for probably like, I don't know, maybe two hours. In the past, Barrett-Jackson was a day I would take off work for. So it was multiple hours. You'd see everything on the inside, and then you go outside, and you go through all six of those tents, and it just is, uh, it was different this year, but, um, it was okay, and I'm glad that I went, because I'm really trying to do a good job of not letting myself down with, A, my boundaries, and two, with making myself happy. Um, first and foremost so bittersweet but it was good and I did it and maybe it was a little bit of immersion therapy but I'm still here talking to you so looks like I can do that too when I got done with Barrett Jackson it was time to check into my hotel for the work part of the trip And, you know, people are kind of filing in and I can tell some of them work at the same company as me. And I found myself just being like, I just want to be alone. I want to go in my room. I want to unpack. I want to make my space and nest. I want to start, you know, planning the next podcast episode. And I really just want to like put my PJs on, wash my face and watch tennis. And I find myself wanting to do this a lot more. It's true that you really do start to enjoy your alone moments. So here's me enjoying my alone moments because I could be out drinking with coworkers and it's just not, it's, it's not my speed anymore. But I think that's a good thing. I just want to write, relax when I can, and just always be working on leveling up myself and my career. And again, I I think that that's okay. It's different, but that doesn't mean that it's bad. I know that you're on the edge of your seats, so I won't keep you any longer. My name is Amanda Arnier, and this is The Dichotomy Diaries. Let's dive in. Okay, so where did we leave off? Ah, yes. Easter morning, dressed for church, eviction notice. Hmm. What a way to celebrate Jesus rising, huh? So, what did I do when I grabbed the envelope and opened it up? And saw that it was an eviction notice. Well, first I read the whole entire goddamn thing. And it said that we were being evicted because we were late on four months of rent payments. So this is April. Okay. Let's think about that. Four months. 
January, February, March, April? Or was it December, January, February, March? I don't know. Truthfully, I don't know. But it was four. And that was enough for me to blow my fucking lid. So I'm, I'm, here I am in my Easter dress. I am holier than holy today. And I lost it. So I walk back into the living room and I'm like, um, what the fuck is this? And I like throw it at him. And he grabs it and he's all like disheveled. Like, what is your fucking problem? Like that. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, do you, do you read what that says? And he's like, yeah, it's an eviction notice. I'm like, it says that we're four months behind on rent. I said, you told me that we were one month late, not behind, like one month late. He's like, well, yeah. Uh, Did you not pay rent for four months? And he's like, must not have, bro. (laughs) Oh my God, when I tell you I could have been a murderer this day, I swear to God, you guys, this was crazy. I'm looking at him and he is giving the most like stonewall face again. And I'm like, why wouldn't you pay? Like, I'm paying $600 a month for our health insurance. I'm paying for the cell phones. I'm working. You're in there beating your fucking meat, making money, all this money that you go about all the time, but you're not doing anything with it? Where's it all going? You Are you gambling it? He's like, well, it's just not fair. And I'm like, what's not fair? And he's like, well, you're not contributing to rent, so it's just not fair. I don't feel like I should have to pay all of it. And I'm like, it's literally what you suggested. I said, keep in mind that if we were completely following your plan, you know, the I got us on the way home from Alabama plan, um, I wouldn't have a job right now. We wouldn't have health insurance. I wouldn't have extra money to just fucking float you whenever you don't have any and other bills wouldn't be getting paid. So how is this not fair? And I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, this is my life. I I just couldn't believe that at that moment on Easter morning in my fucking dress, I was wearing a hat, like a vintage, like baby pink hat, you guys, that I was having this conversation. And you want to know what he did? He literally opened up the sliding glass door to our patio. We had a first floor apartment. And he jumps over the balcony and on foot starts running away. And you're like, what is his problem, right? Well, makes sense. He doesn't have a car to escape this time. So he's like, what do I do? Oh, I use my feet, I guess. You guys, I don't even know who I was this day. I, I'm ashamed at who I was this day. I will say that because it's embarrassing as fuck. But also like, I feel like I deserved to let the crazy out. I Truthfully, I deserved it. So I'm like, dick, don't leave. And he's like, fuck you. I want a divorce. And I'm like, why are you always throwing around the D word? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. You don't say divorce. Like I subscribe to this notion because I come from a divorced family, they're like, that's not an option, especially on marriage number fucking two. That's not an option. And I go, why? Why do you want a divorce? Is it because you can't keep your word? Because I am doing what I promised and more. 
I said, is it because you can't finish anything that you started? I'm like, it's Easter, dude. Give me one break, please. One break. And he just continues walking away. So like, let me paint this picture. We live in Las Vegas, suburbs, Flamingo and Hualapai. Not super busy, but like decently busy roads and intersections. I'm in my Easter dress. I had not even put my shoes on because we were supposed to be going to church at this time, right? I think now mass has started. And I literally jump over the balcony with no shoes on and chase after him. And I get out of like the gate of our apartment complex and I can see that he's like walking down Hualapai. And as I like start walking a little bit faster, this motherfucker starts running, you guys. He's running. He's running away from me. And I'm like, stop fucking running. I'm like, you look like a psycho. He's like, get the fuck home. Get away from me. You're crazy. You guys, I'm sweating. My feet, no shoes, are, they're like in so much pain. And I'm like running, running. And I'm not a runner. There's so much traffic. It's Easter morning. This is so embarrassing for me that this this part of the story even happens right so then he stops and he turns around and he's just standing there and I'm like dick I understand that you think that this is unfair I get and can see where you're coming from because it is a large amount of money to commit to paying by yourself however you made the commitment that you did not have to do that. And at any point in time during these past four months, you could have said to me, hey, I need half the rent, but you didn't. In fact, every time for the past four months that I've asked you not once, but probably once a week if rent was paid, you told me that it was. So that is deceitful and a lie. And he's just like, I don't wanna do this, fuck you. It's just me, like, I don't know, like, I, I just, I never wanted to marry you in the first place. And now he's just, like, intentionally hurting me, and I'm bawling, I'm hot, I'm sweaty, my feet hurt, and I'm like, I don't, like, I don't have any other tactic. I'm like, just come home. It's like, no. I'm like, please, just come home. You guys, your girl got down on her knees in her silk dress on the fucking sidewalk next to Hualapai. And I'm literally like looking up at him and I go, is this what you want? The cars were stopped at the light and they're like legit right next to me. And I'm just looking at him and he's like, get the fuck up, get the fuck up. And I'm like, no, is this what you want? Like, do you want to publicly embarrass me? Because you've already embarrassed me like as a person in my soul. So now like, is this good for you? Are you getting, does this make you happy? And he's like, no. And I'm like, then why can't you stay in our home and talk to me? like a normal adult human being. So that was fucking embarrassing. I could not believe I did it. I hurt my knees too. They were like all feels like fucking gravel. But I digress. 30 minutes later, he's like, let's go home. And so the Lulu me is like, he's like, let's go home. Okay. Like that seems like a win to me. I'm like, ooh, a little bit of serotonin and I'm feeling a little bit better. We go inside. And as I go to like wipe my feet off, He literally books it out the door again. And this time, he's running towards the gate. 
and I see Matt's car pull up. So I get in my Jeep like a mad woman and I'm like, like across the parking lot and I pull in front of Matt's car so he like can't leave. And I get out and I knock on the passenger window, which is where my husband is. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Get out and be a man and face your problems. And he's like, you're crazy. You're crazy. All this shit. Matt's like, Amanda, move. And I'm like, shut the fuck up, you little ass bitch. I'm like, Matt, you want to know something? All you are is a lying instigator to this whole problem. You are an enabler. So I think that like, I probably had enough of just like making a fool out of myself in public that I finally was just like, you know what, threw my hands up and I was like, fuck it. So I think I also like lost my voice low key. And I go inside and I lay in bed and I cried myself to sleep. I think maybe I woke up once and it was dark out and I realized that he still wasn't home. Again, Easter day. So I just went back to bed and yeah, I mean, that was, um, that was rough. He actually went to the casino that night while I was sleeping alone in our bed on Easter crying. Um, and he won a bunch of money, of course. So now his, um, hypothesis of me being bad luck is now proven, right? So I wake up the next morning and again, he's still not home. So I'm like, I don't know. Like, I I guess if I think back to that moment, I don't know if I really thought like, oh, this is the real time that this is really happening. I I didn't. Like, I thought it's just another one of these things where it's going to be three days of absolute sheer terror and then he's going to come back. Um, So I start thinking, what do I need to do to like make this like, are we really getting evicted? How do I, how do I not know about this? Like, why wasn't my email getting notices, stuff like that? So I call the leasing office and mind you, I've never been evicted. I don't know what that means even. Like I'm thinking of movies. Are they going to put tape on my door? Like all of my stuff? What if my, what if my dogs are inside? Like, do I get to get my dogs? Like when do I have to leave? All these questions giving me so much anxiety. So I'm like, I just need to call. So I call the leasing office and I talk to the girl and she's like, yeah, you have to have your stuff out in 24 hours. And I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) I'm just like looking around my apartment and at like all of the stuff, which is actually not that much stuff because I got rid of a lot of stuff and sold all of it, but I have my Jeep. And so if I need to leave, I have to put my two Great Danes in my Jeep. There's no room for things. Even like, I'm feeling like I'm in the situation where like, oh, there's a house fire. What do I grab? And I don't know what to grab. And there's no one here being like, grab this. And so the only thing I can do in this situation is freak out a little bit at first, I guess. Call him. And he was like, all right, what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, all of our stuff is here. They're going, they're having the sheriff come over. They're literally going to lock up our place with our belongings. And then it becomes like collateral for the money that we owe them. And he's like, this is such a shit show. And I'm like, you did it. You did it. So, you know, I have no other choice now. I have to call my mom. And I have to admit to her what he did. And that we're not okay financially, again. And that he's not hes not getting better. Things are not better. And so she says, well, I, I can't come. But why don't you call your dad? And he'll probably be able to come. 
So what do I do? I call my father, tell him the story. He's losing his mind. Fuck that motherfucker, blah, blah, blah. And um, he books a flight. And not only does he book a flight, he books a flight and he sends me like $1,000. Because, okay, so it's Monday morning and they're going to like lock up our place like Tuesday morning. So he's like, do you have stuff to pack? And I go, I have a few, I have some bins. Like I, I do like I have a lot of plastic bins. Like I can put as much as I can. He goes, okay, call movers, ask them to send two guys to come over there and help you pack. You need boxes, you need stored or like, you know, padding, wrapping stuff. And then ask them if they can help you put it in a trailer. And I need you to go to U-Haul and get a trailer that we can pull behind your Jeep. We're just going to fit as much as we can. And then I'm taking you and the dogs home. And I'm like, oh, wow, this this actually is really happening. So I have zero dollars. Again, my dad sends me money, so I do all of that. These guys from the moving company actually show up within an hour, which I was so thankful for. Dick, I don't know where he is. I think actually he was at the casino again. And I go, this is happening. And he's like, I'll come get my shit. And I go, oh, no, 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 no you're going to come here and you're going to pack our things and put them in a trailer. And then I'm going to go back to Illinois with my father and my dogs. And I'm like, I, and actually I think in that moment I was like being fucking sassy. And I was like, you know what? I don't need your help. Stay at the casino, waste all your money. I'm like, I got it. If you come here, I'll call the police. I don't want you here. And he's like, what the fuck? And I was like, I will. I'll call the police because truthfully, He's so unpredictable that I could have like conjured up this this situation in my head where he came in and he just grabbed like all of our most expensive things and booked it and left me and I'll never see him again. So I'm like, no, I'm not putting myself in any any more um, bad situations, which is funny because I do. But um, yeah, that happened. So I tell him like my dad's on the way and so he'll be here at seven there's strangers in our home packing all of our things. So it would be really nice maybe um, if you can like, I don't know, stop by and help us pack our things because of what you did. (laughs) I think maybe he hung up on me and then like an hour later, he had called me back and he was like, do you need money for the U-Haul? And I was like, yeah, I do actually. It's like, okay, I'm going to send it to you. So he sends me money for the U-Haul. I go to the U-Haul place. I bring it back to the apartment. These guys are still packing. They start to load the U-Haul. And he's like, Dick calls me. And he's like, I'm going to come there. I'll be there like in an hour. Okay. So an hour passes. Not there. Doesn't come. Two hours pass. He's still not there. I look at his location you want to know where he is? He's at a gas station less than a mile away on the street that we live inside playing slots, video poker. And here's the better part. He hits a royal flush. If you know gambling, that's the big one. He won like $4,500 at a fucking gas station, you guys. And what does he do? He's like, so sorry, I'm late. Look what just happened, babe. Oh, now I'm babe. Now I'm babe. Okay. Oh, I did forget to mention. So when he started being nice to me, he was like, 
kind of like talking out loud about how he wanted to come back to Illinois with me. And so he was like, you know, I do think that like staying with your dad, not having rent, saving up money and just doing everything we're doing and working, like I think that would behoove us. I'll never forget him saying that. I think that would behoove us. And I'm just thinking to myself, I already told my fucking father what you did and my mother, like they are not going to allow you back. Like there is no way. So fast forward, my dad is in the air. I'm going to have to pick him up soon. Dick is still nowhere to be found. And um, I keep like calling him. I'm telling these like mover guys, like, I guess it was kind of weird. I was kind of uncomfortable in my home because they're like, oh, well, like, where's your husband? And I'm like, he'll be here soon. And like four hours later, he still wasn't there. So I was embarrassed, but such is my life. So he shows up and we talk. I don't know possibly what we could have talked about, but I have to go get my dad. So all of his stuff was, I made sure, all of his stuff was packed up first and put in the trailer. So there was no chance that he was going to come there and try and take his stuff because, like, I already packed it, dude. Sorry. Like, you want to shice me? I got you. And so I'm on my way to get my dad. I pick up my dad, and he's got, like, this tiny little, like, fire station duffel bag. He's so cute. And he's like, hey, I'm really sorry that this is happening. But, like, don't worry. We'll take care of it. I, I truly do have awesome parents. So now I'm wondering in my head how I'm going to tell my dad that my husband is going to come with us. And I think I just kind of laid it out like, I know you're going to be mad, but this is my husband and he wants to come home and he wants to save money and he knows he fucked up and we'll go to counseling, you know, once a week as like a condition. What do you think about that? And he's like, absolutely not. And I'm like, dad, please. And so you can see, and I'm sure a lot of you listeners have been in this situation where like, you speak your truth. You share with people what your person has done to you. And now your support system is like, fuck them. But then there's this point where your person flips the script and now is like, no, I want to stay. And now you're in a bad fucking situation with your support because you're like the little boy girl who cried wolf. This is what I'm in while being evicted. And you know, God bless my father, seriously, because I know he wanted to fucking kill him. And for me to, in the short car ride back from the airport to where we lived, had convinced him for me on condition, with conditions that he was going to come back and things were going to be better and we really needed to work on our marriage and everything. He's still pissed. But when we walk back in the house, he's being like cordial with Dick, um, you can see that he's mad and he's not engaging with him like he normally does, but whatever. So we pack all of our stuff, all three of us. I think we end up going to bed super, super late. Um, and then in the morning we woke up really early and it's, it's honestly crazy. Like the timing of this, you guys, because as we were pulling away, the police were pulling through the gate and, uh, yeah, there was, there was a few things that I left that I was kind of disappointed about. Like I left like a really good mattress and box spring that had forever furniture. I had a couch. There was just stuff that didn't need to be left. And because of Dick's just like, I don't know, lack of responsibility, like just clear disregard for any kind of normal human being process, like paying fucking rent. Now 
we don't have any furniture. But he he sure as shit made sure that his sleep number was in that U-Haul and going back to Illinois with us. So on the way out of town, I think that Dick was driving. My dad was in the front. I was in the back. And my two great dates, they're also in the back. (laughs) We have like these bags that are waterproof on top of the Jeep. And then we have a U-Haul behind us filled with all of our belongings. Some belongings of mine we left in Nevada at Matt's house in his garage. And of which are basically all of my art that I've ever collected in my whole life. So pieces from Italy, a bunch of car shows, sentimental pieces from concerts and tickets and things like that. And then all of my holiday decor, which again is a lot of collected things over the years and sentimental items. Those still reside in his garage or maybe they're thrown away or sold, but I have not gotten those back. So we're we're pulling out of town and Dick's like, I got to make a quick stop. You guys. He literally took the Jeep with all of us and all the shit on top and the trailer attached to the back of it to Aria because he had just won $15,000 sports betting. So we're like pulled up in front of Aria looking like the Beverly Hillbillies, okay? And he runs inside and my dad's like, what is he doing? And I'm like, I don't know. He gets back inside like with stacks of cash in his hand. And can you imagine how this would seem to my father who is like, I thought that you were, you're getting evicted and he had no money and you have no money and, and now he's coming out of the casino with stacks of cash. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, I feel so bad for my parents. I'm, it's insane. So we start towards Illinois and for whatever reason, my dad and Dick decided to go like the North way, like through Colorado. And I'm like, you guys, not a good idea. It's like all uphill. We're way heavier than just a Jeep. And I was right because... It took us like way longer than it should have. I think the first time that we stopped, we stopped somewhere in Colorado. Like we really didn't make it that far. And we slept and it was like the dogs, me and Dick in one bed and then my dad in the other bed. Like it was just so like, I'm not going to sleep in a room with my husband and my dad. Like it's just, it was crazy. Um, We got on the road again in the morning and it was like, It was pretty early, but we were trading off driving and my dad and Dick for the most part did a lot of it. But I know that every time Dick would drive, my dad would be like texting me. He'd be like, tell him to slow down because he was driving like erratically for having a trailer and like all of these lives on board. And I was like, hey, slow down. Hey, slow down. He just wouldn't. The tire blows. (laughs) Um, We have to wait for like an hour on the side of the road with the dogs They finally come and fix it, and then we continue on our way, and we finally arrive to my dad's home in Illinois. So in my dad's home, it's my dad, my stepmom, my younger brother, who is actually Dick's age, and Dick's girl, or I'm sorry, my brother's girlfriend. So my dad's like, hey, I cleaned out the spare room, which actually used to be the dog's room, because mind you, they have three Great Danes. I have two. Now we have five in this home. And he's like, I cleared out the room, just needs to be vacuumed, and then you can do whatever you want with it. I'm like, thank you. Like, I I didn't know where we were going to sleep. I just knew that, like, we had to get our shit and get there. So I vacuum. I whip down the walls. I take whatever artwork was in there and, you know, gently put in their storage. And 
I'm like, I need to set up the bed. If I set up the bed, then at least the bed's there. Like I'm always searching for this feeling of comfort and home base. And the constant has been the bed. Like it's like, it's the only thing that we have left kind of other than our clothes. And so it's a gigantic, like king sleep number, bed. it's very heavy. There's a lot of pieces you have to put together, but I did it all. And the whole time, Dick was just gambling, sports betting, because we're back in Illinois. So, you know, he's got new apps he can play with. The following day, we had to return the U-Haul. So we ended up going to U-Haul to return it and subsequently like got like a small storage unit because my dad's house, there was not a lot of closet space. The only things that we were going to need was like closed toiletries. Okay, fine. So we get the storage unit, put it in both of our names. Um, I set up the bedroom kind of nice, like take all of our clothes, hang it, organizing. We're cramped, you know, but like there's this little like nook in this room. My dad like cuts plywood, makes a desk for Dick so he could work. Like it was, we're, we're, we're losing space, right? So we keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller spaces. But every time we get a smaller space, I try my hardest to make it be like, okay, at least I know we don't have that. We don't have privacy, but at least you have a desk. Not thinking about myself, but thinking about him, of course. So it's just a lot, you know, like when you're 30 something years old, privacy is really important. You don't really realize it. You're like, yeah, duh, of course. But there's something to be said about being able to like walk from the shower to your bedroom to put clothes on naked that you can't do when you live with your parents. And that bugged me, you know? Um, but for the most part, if I had to sum up immediately after getting there and, and the room being set up and everything, he was pretty happy. Um, you know, so we had made a deal to go see a therapist weekly. So I found one and it was a gentleman and I actually had picked a man intentionally, not thinking of myself, but thinking like, if I pick a woman and she's a good therapist, she will clearly see that like he's doing something wrong. And, and I didn't want it to be like, oh, you two women are teaming up on me. So I got a man so that like maybe it would be better received. So we go there the first time and I think it was just like a lot of like getting to know, like tell me about your family. What are your goals? Like, what are you, what, what are your concerns? All of that. And, um, it was, it was okay. I think that we had a good conversation afterwards and it was like, we were being optimistic about what we could accomplish through doing this weekly. We're also like playing tennis at an indoor tennis club at this time that Dick had signed us up for right down the street. And if we could, we were playing outside, but we were doing this every day. So there's a lot of like positive things going on. He's working when he can. Um, but that's also weird too, because my dad had just built him this desk in our room and now he's like, no, I need to be in the office. So he's like taking over my dad and my stepmom's office and my dad's uncomfortable with this. My dad has guns all over the house. He's just like, I don't like that. He's up there with the door closed. It weirds me out. Don't close the door in my house. He wouldn't listen. Not only did he close the door, but he closed the door and kept it locked and would be up there all day on webcam naked in my dad and my stepmom's office. I think that that month he was like, let's go to a baseball game. And maybe the Dodgers were playing the Cubs or I don't remember what it was, why we had to go. So it was actually raining that day, but he had bought tickets. We drove down, we had dinner, 
and then we went back up, and it actually was a, a decent day. I had a good time with him. The second therapist section, or session rather, we go in and we kind of get a little bit like deeper. And I can tell right off the bat that the therapist is going to be challenging him this session. So him meaning Dick. And so he's asking him a lot of questions and they're mainly based around like anger and like popping off and like frustration. And I'm like, oh fuck, I see where this is going. And you can just see Dick's face just start going completely red. And I'm like, okay, this is not good. This guy needs to stop. But then the session was over and I was like, thank God. I actually think at one point the the therapist was like, well, you look a little uh, frustrated. Do you want to hit me? And that like really, really set him off. Like when we left, he was like, I swear to God, I would have ripped that guy's head off. We're never going back there. And I'm like, great. I'm like, this is what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to challenge you so that later on you can think about how that affected you and your reaction. And I'm like actually telling him how therapy works. But he was like, no, like that's so crazy. Like I could go back there and fucking beat that guy's ass. And I'm like, yeah, don't do that. So the weather is actually starting to turn because it was through August. Sometimes it still snows, but it wasn't snowing. It was just pretty cold, but it starts getting better. We're playing more tennis outside. Um, I had actually through, you know, this 100th move had found like my baseball glove and a baseball glove that I had gotten for Dick. And so we were like playing catch in the yard with the dogs. And that was like a fun thing that we did. He also went and bought groceries for like the whole house, which was great from like Sam's. I think it dropped like $400. So he was like trying to make it known like, Hey, we're not gonna be paying rent, but like we're at least we're going to contribute. And my dad, being the over-the-top guy that he is, he has a full-blown, like, full-blown gym in, in the basement. He has mirrors on all the walls. Um, my mom, my stepmom actually competed in bodybuilding, so they really made it amazing down there. So Dick's really excited. He can go down there and, like, lift with all of the machines that you would have at the gym. And I think a few times my dad went down with him and they were having, like, bro moments, which I was hoping that should Dick continue to make improvements, that there would be some sort of way to be able to mend the relationship based off of the fact that he got us evicted and all of this shit kept happening. So I think also we, so my my dad and my stepmom have a horse, so we were going to the ranch and hanging out with the horse and Dick liked to be around the horse, but like not, he didn't want to ride or anything, but it was just like, hey, we're all going to go to the ranch. We're doing family stuff and that's good and I love it. We're also watching sports together, which is super fun. However, he is gambling nonstop, like nonstop. And because he had such a substantial amount of winnings, like within three days of us leaving Las Vegas, he's not gambling like broke dick. He's gambling like fucking rich dick. Thousand dollar bets. I think one of the bets, he actually lost this one. He made like a $7,500 bet, a parlay, you guys, on basketball props. Oh my God, I think that it lost by like one point. Like what, maybe it was like one assist. Swear to God, you've, I've, the blood just drained from his face. And it's like, when is this repeat groundhog day of happenings going to like present itself to him so that he realizes like, this is a fucking problem? Answer 
never because that's gambling addiction. Anyways, so the weather's turning nice and I think I had just bought a book. Like maybe I got, oh yeah, I did. I got a book and it was called 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. I had seen somebody share it, uh, maybe a friend from Las Vegas, in his story and I, I just was reading about it. I'm like, that sounds interesting. So I grabbed this book and I grabbed like a big towel or like blanket and Dick is in the office working and I'm like, I poke my head. I'm like, hey, babe, um, I am going to take this book and this blanket. I'm going to go get a popsicle because I just bought bomb pops and I'm like full blown like in Amanda, Illinois summer mood. I'm like, I'm just going to go have like a moment outside of peace and read and lay in the sun in the grass. He's like, are you going to take the dogs? And I was like, no, I'll leave the dogs in here with you. I just, I need some, you know, just me time. So I go out there and again, he's in the office and the dogs are inside and I'm reading and I think I probably got through like maybe just like the foreword and in the first chapter, but I don't even think I made it through the first chapter, but I was like really hot and I had finished my popsicle and I don't think I had anything to drink. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll just go inside and make some lunch. So I texted him and I was like, hey, I'm going to make us lunch. I'm coming in. I didn't get a text back, but I was like, whatever. So I go inside and I make us sandwiches, and like grab the plates and I'm walking up the stairs and the office was like kind of directly up and ahead. And you see that the office door is like kind of cracked open. And I'm like, hey, babe, I got your food. And like, I don't hear anything. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, maybe he's taking a nap. So I go in our bedroom and I open the door and he's not in there. So I like set the plates down on the table. And I think this is probably when I started freaking out because I'm like, if he's not in here and he's not, did he not hear me in the office? Like, man, there was a bed in the office. I was like, maybe, maybe he's in there, like, really sleeping. So I run across the hall and I go in the office and he's not in the bed. And you want to know what else isn't in there? The computer. Literally. The computer. The one that he takes all the time when he runs away. Is gone. And I think I mentally in these moments, you guys. Again. I like low-key black out. Like I don't know how else to describe what happens but like I can't remember exactly what happens or how I feel because it's so traumatic for me and I ran back into my room and I grabbed my phone and I like tried to pull up the location and this location's off I send a text it goes green I try to make a call doesn't go through and I'm like how is this possible that I was just taking one moment for myself and I was super happy that I was doing that and I come inside and this is this is now my reality again well it happened again and I feel like I want to say are you surprised 
and and truly maybe I do want to ask that question are you guys surprised that that he continues to go so hard with the abandonments like we drove across the country we moved all all of our belongings I just I always say like I always feel like you've done so much like I, I I'm not gonna be shocked anymore you know and um, I'm shocked every time he does something because it's just worse and worse and worse than the last thing so yeah that's where we're at now in the story a lot of we're getting very close to present day and you know my part in this story is actually going to be coming to an end relatively soon and in thinking about that I've been really thinking about change and it kind of ties in you know to to today and Barrett Jackson and going alone for the first time in 10 years I think that when we think about change we think about evolution and what I've really been thinking about in terms of evolution is its congruency while opposite to erosion. Little by little, the Colorado River eroded the Grand Canyon, layer by layer, making it beautiful. You know, it, it's truly like spectacular when you stand on the edge of it and look and you're like, wow, how long did that take? For such beauty to be created by erosion of water and I think that as we go through life instead of erosion which we can feel like we're getting eroded that's for sure but I think we actually add layers upon the quote-unquote us who has already existed and experienced life and perhaps the new layer acts as a shield to protect us from things we now know or deem as dangerous. But also, this new layer acts as a new home for all of the different versions of us that we have been in the past and the one that we are being right now. And I think that this is important for two reasons. Feeling at home in your own skin while in a new layer or not is so important. And two, how many people do you know that have created new layers frequently because of insecurity? You think about all these people always reinventing themselves and, and you never really know like who they truly are. In this case, a new outer shell acts simultaneously as a facade and as a shield to shield insecurity. So if we deep dive think, what if every layer is intentional? What if we actually have the ability to create both our protection and our home within us as we evolve and change? So my question that I'll leave you guys with, well two rather, is how do we intentionally create an exterior that is true to who we are and who we have been that is also a barrier and protective? And how do we intentionally keep upgrading this external while keeping true to what is inside of us? I hope you enjoyed today's episode. While there are a lot of twists and turns, 
This one was pretty straightforward. I hope that you will join me next week to find out what happens next in the Amanda and Dick saga. And as always, your reviews mean everything. So don't forget to like, share, review, comment, interact on social media. Instagram is always popping with visual timelines of every episode. I will be uploading a lot this week so you guys will be able to see things and make connections with the things that you've listened to. So I'm going to go to bed now because I have an early morning of work meetings. My name is Amanda Arnier and this is The Dichotomy Diaries.